Hello and welcome to the podcast for the April 2012 issue of The Lancet Infectious Diseases. Richard Lane here and I'm joined once again by the editor of TLID, John McConnell. Welcome John. Let's start with an article looking at C. difficile. Obviously this is a major cause of serious diarrheal problems and this particular study we're going to discuss is a randomised non-inferiority trial, isn't it? Looking potentially a new antibiotic uh, treatment for C. diff. I think it's this new drug called fidaxomycin has really gone beyond the potential treatment stage already because it's been licensed for treatment of uh, clostridial difficile infection in the United States and in Europe. So this trial that we're presenting is the second regulatory trial. The first was published uh, last year in the New England Journal of Medicine. Uh, it's a randomized comparison of this new drug fidaxomycin, which is the, a first-in-class antibiotic of a type of class called uh, macrocyclics and it's a comparison of uh, this drug against vancomycin. The new drug classes among antibiotics are, are pretty much as rare as hen's teeth these days so this is why we're quite excited and interesting in this paper. So what it shows is that uh, fidaxomycin was at least as good as uh, vancomycin in treating Clostridium difficile infections um, and that's interesting enough in itself however uh, if that was I think that people would continue to use vancomycin because it it is a much cheaper drug. Its cost is going to be of uh, vancomycin is at least half that of fidaxomycin. And uh, depending on the sort of formulations you use, then it might be considerably less than half of that of fidaxomycin. So I think where fidaxomycin may well come to have its place um, is, as the results of this trial showed, in a sort of secondary endpoint, uh, is that it reduced the recurrence of C. diff infection. And one of the real problems with uh, with treating C. diff is you can treat it, it goes away, uh, and then it comes back again. So where fidaxomycin probably is going to have its place in the future is preventing a recurrent infection. Given that there are some forms of C. diff that are really difficult to treat with antibiotics, is just another weapon in the armory generally? Absolutely. It's, it's another weapon in the armory. And I think what's quite special about this drug uh, is that it's, it's given orally and it's not easily absorbed into the bloodstream. So that it's, it's very specific uh, in its action against C. diff. So we're going to have a, a really quite specific treatment of, of for C. diff, which is a, an important addition to our armamentarium of of drugs to, to treat this difficult infection. And let's discuss briefly an HIV study, and this is looking at pre-treatment resistance testing before first-line antiretroviral therapy. This is quite a difficult concept. Can you help me here? This is uh, quite hard to get your, your head around why this study is useful, important, and how it might be applied. But basically what the uh, investigators have done in this multicenter cohort study done in sub-Saharan Africa is that they've looked at um, antiretroviral resistance in patients, about 2,500 patients, before they actually started antiretrovirals to see if there was pre-treatment drug resistance. Uh, and the important point of this is looking at some sort of pointers towards whether whether antiretroviral resistance testing should be done routinely uh, before people start uh, antiretroviral therapy in sub-Saharan Africa. Um, and they found that about 5% of patients had pre-existing uh, resistance to drugs. Now, 
I think what's a key point here is that um, antiretroviral uh, resistance testing is going to be pretty damn expensive and it's probably not affordable on a routine basis in these programs in sub-Saharan Africa. But the, the commentator who's, um, who's written the comments that goes with this study, I think makes a very interesting point in that the resistance, um, there was a direct relationship between uh, exposure, previous exposure to antiretrovirals and the chances of the person having an HIV which was resistant to the drugs in the antiretroviral regimen that they were about to be given. So the commentator makes the point is that perhaps rather than trying to screen everybody, uh, we should try and screen people who have been exposed previously to antiretrovirals because those are the people in which there is likely to be um, evidence of pre-existing resistance. And if there is evidence of pre-existing resistance, then perhaps we can tailor their antiretroviral regimens appropriately. Um, So there's a story here that antiretroviral resistance testing might not be suitable Uh, for everybody, but it could be suitable for certain patients uh, entering treatment programs. And just stress the point, yes, thank you for explaining the concept. It's hard to see how applicable that is in a setting like Sub-Saharan Africa though, isn't it? Uh, it is, where things like just looking at efficacy of, uh, of the regimen by testing for CD4 cell counts, uh, I mean, that, that can be a little bit haphazard. Um, so doing something which is more complicated and more, and more expensive, like res- resistance testing before treatment, um, that may well just not be feasible at this stage. Thanks, John. And next, let's discuss CMV, cytomegalovirus. It's phase two study looking at the potential uh, of a vaccine for CMV. Why and for whom is is this important? This is a story in which I have some sort of long-standing personal interest in that one of my very first scientific jobs was working in, in the virology lab at Bart's Hospital, uh, where one of their, their primary research interests was in CMV, cytomegalovirus. Uh, and they were just taking some very, very early tentative steps to see if it might one day be possible to produce a vaccine against CMV. So CMV is it's a type of herpes virus. It cause lifelong uh, latent and asymptomatic infection in most people but in pregnant women uh, it can cause congenital infection it can lead to quite serious manifestations in babies who uh, acquire the infection in vitro uh, and can cause particularly serious problems in uh, immunosuppressed people so that's people say who have had their immunity suppressed in order to, to receive a transplant and this particular study is a phase two randomized trial of a therapeutic vaccine So the aim of the vaccine is actually to treat CMV in people who already have latent infection. And the population involved is patients who've had a hematopoietic stem cell transplant. Um, And so being a phase two study, it's it's fairly small groups. It's roughly 40 in the the, the vaccine and, uh, uh, and control group. Essentially, the, the primary endpoint, there was no difference between the, the, the primary endpoint being um, clinically significant viremia, uh, which needed a CMV-specific antiviral therapy. So it was viremia, which needed antiviral treatment. Um, and there was no difference between the, the groups uh, looking at that endpoint. But I think where there was an interesting difference in a sort of sub-analysis is that the vaccine did appear to reduce the occurrence and the recurrence and the duration 
succession of episodes of uh, viremia um, and also improve the time before these events occurred. So I think we have an indicator here that the vaccine can actually be useful uh, in that it may well reduce the need for antiviral therapy in people who've received it. And that's important, of course, because the antiviral therapy is itself toxic. Based on these results, I think it's very likely that this this vaccine, which is called Transvax, will go on to be tested in, in phase three studies. Finally, a couple of days ago, March the 24th was World TB Day. Do you want to just briefly mention there are a couple of comments on there? One looking at TB in India particularly. Yes, we've got two comments to mark World TB Day. They've appeared online well before the event. Um, and one of them is looking at the uh, multi-drug resistance uh, story which came out of India uh, a month or two back uh, and just looking at the whole setting of TB treatment in India. And the second comment is looking about operational research um, and the uh, targets for uh, control of TB in the Millennium uh, Development Goals. And, and there are some new guidelines and some new documents that have come out of uh, WHO which have uh, which will help to, to guide us in this area. And so this is a comment looking at that, that particular area. So two papers just hoping to mark what we consider to be uh, particularly important aspects of the TB pandemic as it is now and how we can uh, move on towards um, control 